question for you. What does obedience look like? Uh, we probably all have a little slight different definitions. As a, a parent, I am finding myself in a constant battle for obedience in my home. I have little ones, I have four, five, a seven-year-old, and a 15-year-old, and uh, we are constantly looking for obedience in my home. My, my three little kids, the younger ones, their first inclination every time I ask them to do anything, at any time, anywhere, for anyone, their first inclination is to ignore me and pretend they didn't hear me. Every time, without fail. And my first inclination as dad is to repeat what I said slightly louder and more aggressively. And then their response without fail is, okay, I'll do it after this. I will do it after I finish this show. I'll do it after I finish this game. I'll do it after I finish sitting here for a while. I'll do it after I finish torturing my sibling. I'll do it after something. It's always that. It's always later, 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 later. Put it off. And their hope is that I will forget and they won't have to do it. But I never forget. And it's always a battle. What does obedience look like? For you. Just the other day, my two girls, ages five and seven, they were squabbling about something because they were awake. That's what we do. It's our favorite pastime. And we're squabbling, and I'm trying to fix the situation. I'm telling them to do something. And they did what they do. They ignored me and pretended not to hear me. And I did what I did, which is speak louder and slightly more aggressively to them. And then they put me off and I command them to do it right now and then they start crying and I say stop it and it just, you know how that goes. Tension was rising in the room and my wife walks in and she took one look at me, uh, one look at the girls and she knew she needed to step in the middle of this. And she said, hold on for a second. She looked at the girls and she said, what is it Miss Rebecca says? Uh, Miss Rebecca, Rebecca Robertson, our fantastic children's minister. She said, what is it Miss Rebecca says? And in unison, without hesitation, my girls said, follow directions quickly. I don't know when she said that or how often they say that, but my girls have caught it, and we say it all the time now at home, follow directions quickly. And then the girls went off to do whatever, and I got to calm down a little bit. You know how it goes at home. Follow directions quickly. That phrase is stuck in my mind, though. As a dad, I've thought, man, what a revelation. If my kids, all the way up to my 15-year-old, would just follow directions quickly, our house would be a lot more harmonious. But then I thought as a preacher, if I and we would apply that to following Jesus, just follow directions quickly, how much different would our lives look? How much different would our following Jesus look? 
How much different would our minds feel? How much different would things be? The last three Sundays, we've been in this series called Unplanned, talking about what you do when everything falls apart, things are broken, and things are unraveling, everything feels unplanned. That's the the world we're living in right now, isn't it? And, And we talked about that, and we said we need to trust God no matter what. We need to have hope no matter what. We need to believe no matter what. And those three things are great, and I meant every word we said, but those three things, we could take them out of context a little bit, hold them tight, and get a nice, warm, fuzzy feeling about them and, and, and kind of go on our way. It's great to have trust when everything falls apart. It's great to have hope that something can get fixed. And it's great to believe that God has the answer. Those are great, easy things. But we can't forget that we're also, as followers of Jesus, in an unplanned world, we are called to obey no matter what. Obey. No matter what. How different would your life look if you heard every word Jesus said and just followed directions quickly? Don't put him off. Don't pretend you didn't hear him. Follow directions quickly. How much different would things be As kids, we complain about our parents and our teachers bossing us around. As adults, we complain about our bosses bossing us around. But one thing I never hear people complain about is Jesus bossing us around. I've never, in all my years of talking to people about Jesus, I've never one time someone complained to me about the way Jesus bosses us around. No, because with Jesus, we don't complain about him, we just ignore him, and we just pretend that we didn't hear him. And because we ignore him, we unintentionally forfeit the life we were intended to live. We give it up. We unintentionally forfeit all of the purpose God has for our life. Because if I tell Jesus no all the time, I can't possibly know the purpose he made me for. We forfeit all the power we were intended to live with. The power of the Holy Spirit in us and welling up through us. If I tell Jesus no all the time, I forfeit the power of Jesus in my life. If I tell Jesus no all the time, I I give up the ability to recognize the provisions He's giving me. When I ignore God's directions, I forfeit the life I was intended to live. How differently would life be for you? For us. For me. If we just followed God's direction quickly. This morning, I want to spend some time with you in Matthew chapter 22, a familiar passage. We've read it uh, a million times in church. I want to spend time in that because I believe in that passage there are six simple directions that God gives us. And when we follow them, we find that our life makes a lot more sense. Let me pray for us, and then we're going to jump right into Matthew chapter 22 here. God, I ask that you would speak out of this this morning. I pray that you would let these directions that you give us, I pray you let them be encouraging and challenging, convicting, practical. And Father, I pray that as we leave this room today, as we leave all the places we've gathered to worship today, I pray that we would leave these physical locations with hearts, souls, minds, and lives 
that are less cluttered and distracted because we are choosing to simply follow your direction quickly. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Matthew 22. It's going to be on the screens as well. And if you don't have a Bible, it is so important to me. One of my core values as a leader is that you have the Word of God. And so if you don't have a Bible, I want nothing more than to give you one today, just like this. If you're online with me right now, I want nothing more than to send you a Bible this week. It's so important to me that we have the Word of God so we can begin to uncover all the things Jesus says to us, all the directions He gives us in life. In Matthew 22, we're going to jump into a moment when Jesus has a crowd kind of gathered up. He's been talking to this crowd, and the leaders, the Sadducees, the the Pharisees, the, the rulers have been trying to catch him in his words, trying to trick him and trap him. And we're going to jump right in here to verse 34 of chapter 22. It says, hearing now that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the first group that was coming after him, Hearing that he had silenced them, the Pharisees got together, another group of rulers. One of them, an expert in the law, tested Jesus with this question. Teacher, which is, he asked, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Uh, I could simply paraphrase that. He comes and says, Jesus, what is your directions? What are your directions for us? What do you want for us to have? And Jesus says back in verse 37, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And right here, right now, in this passage, in these words, Jesus begins to uncover some simple directions for us to follow. Simple directions. Number one, love God with all your heart. Love God with all your heart. You say, well, that's easy. I'm in church, aren't I? I I've gathered to worship right now. That's pretty easy. Clearly, I'm loving God with all my heart. I just sang all the songs. I bowed my head, closed my eyes, and folded my fingers when you prayed. I clearly, I'm doing that. Well, in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus says, He says, where your treasure is, there your heart is also. And we use that verse a lot of times to talk about, uh, about money, about financial things. Jesus said, don't store up treasures on earth where moth and rust corrupt and destroy, but store up in heaven where nothing can touch them. And we talk about money and finances, but, but really Jesus wasn't talking about that. He was saying to store up treasure in heaven by the way we live, by what we do, by how we steward things and manage our lives. And we begin to follow God's directions by loving God with all of our heart. What is your treasure? What is your treasure? What is the thing that you love beyond anything else? It's probably your treasure. I have some things I thoroughly enjoy. I, I love, I love uh, playing, buying, selling guitars. I, I love my Jeep. I love woodworking. I love watching sports. I, I love some things. I would trade any of it in a heartbeat. I would let all of it go in a heartbeat. In fact, I love using those things as vehicles to be able to talk about Jesus. What is the thing you talk about most often? It's probably your treasure. And Jesus says, if you want to know my directions for your life, number one is love God with all your heart. Make me your treasure, he says. What is your treasure? Number two, love God 
with all your soul. Love God with all your soul. These are pretty simple. You've probably already guessed the third one. Love God with all your soul. The choices you make make up the character of your integrity, the core of who you are. Your choices reflect the treasure that you are chasing after. As people, we do what we value. What do you value? What does your soul long for? What are your choices? You can ask simple, simple questions and diagnose yourself right now. What do you spend your money on? What do you watch? What do you read? Where do you find entertainment? What gives you comfort? Who are your friends? All these things make up your soul. They make up the core of who you are. And they reflect the treasure your heart is pursuing. Number number three, direction. Jesus says, love God with all of your mind. Love God with all your mind. There is a battle going on. There is a war going on all around you to fill your mind, to fill the space of your mind with stuff. Everywhere you look, there is a screen, there is a a movie, a commercial, a book, a dialogue, an argument, a theory, a thing. Everybody wants to fill your mind up. What are you putting in? I got to hang out with somebody a while back, and we were talking about this very thing. How do we protect our minds and what goes in our mind? And I just said, I, I have a hard time turning things off. I have a hard time letting go of stuff and putting things down. And, and I find myself waking up in the morning and grabbing this wonderfully horrible little device and looking first thing in the morning and scrolling through, what did I miss while I was asleep? What news or gossip did I miss? And then I find myself at night as I'm laying down to go to sleep doing the exact same thing. What did I miss tonight? What did I miss? I'm scrolling through it. And I just shared, I find it difficult to put things down. And people I talk to seem to find it difficult to put things down. And he laughed. He said, let me show you something. Here's a trick for you. Yeah, that's an iPhone, right? And I said, yeah, it's an iPhone. He took my phone. And he said, yep, yours has this function. I want to show you a function on your iPhone. You see, if you hold this button and this button right here, and you just hold them for just a couple of seconds, yeah, that comes up there. And then you do this right here. And now, you have a paperweight. And you'll get bored with that very quickly. Just put it down. And he chuckled and laughed. He's being silly, and that's a silly thing. But the truth is, I control what goes in my mind. You control what goes in your mind. You have total control on it. And the things you put in your mind fuel the choices They reflect the treasure you're pursuing. Are you filling your mind with things that are good and pure and holy and true? Or are you filling your mind with whatever thing happens to catch your eye, no matter how ridiculous or terrible or junky it is? What are you filling your mind with? Because Jesus says, you want to know the greatest commandment? You want to know the the greatest directions? Here they are. Love God with all your heart. Love God with all your soul. Love God with all your mind. I, I talk to people who are uh, occasionally feeling confused about life and about God, and they're feeling occasionally feeling uh, lost a little bit and frustrated, disappointed, and discouraged, maybe, maybe a little clueless and a little, a little empty. 
And we talk about things, and, and we, always, we always start by kind of blaming God. God, why are you not revealing yourself? Why are you not pointing to things? Why are you not showing your truth? Why are you not telling me what you want? And we always end by saying, you know what? Actually, maybe it's because I'm not following the directions God gave me. Because God is revealing, He is speaking, He is pointing, He is guiding. I've just let other treasures get in the way. Other choices drive me away. And other things fill my mind space and push God out. If we start to follow God's direction quickly, then all of a sudden, we find our life has more purpose, our life has more power, Our life is a little less cluttered and a little less distracted. And it all comes down to following directions quickly. But Jesus isn't done. He's not done at all. He has more to say. He says in the next verse right here, he says, second command is like it. The second one is like it. He said, love your neighbor as yourself. All the law all the prophets, all of history, all of the past, everything you know about the kingdom of God, everything hangs on these two commands, on these directions. Love your neighbor as yourself. In Luke chapter 10, in Luke chapter 10, a similar thing happens where a guy comes up and he's questioning Jesus. Jesus, what do I need to do to receive and inherit the kingdom of heaven? What do I need to do to live forever? And Jesus says, well, well tell me, what's What's the law say? What's the scripture say? He recites it back. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. And love your neighbor as yourself. It's almost like he's heard Jesus say this a few times before. And so he repeats it back. And Jesus says, great, you've got it. But then the guy says, but who's my neighbor? Who's my neighbor? And we could paraphrase that. We could translate it. The guy, really, what he's asking is, Jesus, I, I hear your words and I get your directions, but what's the bare minimum? I can do what's the bare minimum effort I can give to get the maximum benefit what is the bare minimum who is my neighbor how far do I have to go with that and to show him Jesus tells a story actually we shared it about a month ago here he tells a story says there was a Jewish man who was going down a road from one town to the next as he was traveling along a pack of robbers came on him they beat him they stripped him they robbed him left him from dead on the side of the road And then not very long afterward, here came a Jewish priest who knew the law, facilitated worship. He would say, I'm following God with all my heart. He came along, he saw the man, he was repulsed by the man, stepped to the other side of the road and passed over here, careful not to touch him. And then along came a Levite who saw him, thought the same thing, a Jewish man, a Levite, one who's involved in worship, stepped over to the other side of the road and was careful not to touch him. Same thing. And then a third man came by. This man was a Samaritan. He was a Samaritan. The Samaritans and the Jews hated each other. If you think we have racial division in our country or nation today, you've seen nothing yet. They hated each other. And this Samaritan man came and he saw this Jewish man on the side of the road, bloodied and beaten and half dead. And he, by all rights, he could have mocked him, he could have spit on him, he could have finished him off. But he didn't. He had compassion. And he got down on his knee and he bound him up. And he took him off to an inn and he paid for his recovery. And he said, I'm going to come back by and check on him and I'll pay more if you need more. And he helped this man. 
Jesus says, if you want to know my directions, you've got to follow God with all your heart, love God with all your soul, love God with all your mind, and number four, you've got to start with love. You've got to start with love. You've got to love your neighbors and stuff. You've got to start with love. You, you don't start with revenge. You don't start with hate. You don't start with manipulation. You start from the place Jesus started from. In John 3.16, doesn't it say that God so loved the world that He sent His Son from heaven to earth to cross over to here to be a sacrifice for you and for me? Our sin repulses God. He can't be with it, so He sent His Son to die for it, to be buried, to resurrect so we could be forgiven of our sin, our, our sin, and we could live forever with Him. God started with love. We start with love. Number five, direction. I told you six, very simple. Treat everyone as a neighbor. Treat everyone as a neighbor. Everyone. In the kingdom of God, there is no place for racism. None. The key to racism is not to ignore things like color and ethnicity and nationality and language. It's to embrace it. The Samaritan man came along and saw the Jewish man on the side of the road and he didn't see him and make a note that that man's a Jew right there. He got down and he embraced him different as he was. Some of my best friends are white and some are black and some are Asian and some are Hispanic. Some don't speak English very well and I don't speak their language very well. The key to racism is to embrace it. We treat everyone as a neighbor in the kingdom of God. There is no place for racism. There is no place for exclusion. We are an inclusive people. We take the outsider and we make them an insider. In the kingdom of God, there is no place for divisive politics. We see through that and we know that we are citizens of heaven. And if I'm a good citizen of heaven, I'm a great citizen of my nation. Because we include people and we embrace them. We treat everyone as a neighbor. Number six. Number six. We stay humble. We stay humble. This Samaritan man coming along here didn't just see him, call the innkeeper and say, hey, I found a guy. I'll pay you some money. Come help him. I, I don't really want to get dirty. No, he, he got on his knee and he got his hands dirty humbly to help him Jesus calls us to stay humble he doesn't just call us to stay humble he shows us how to be humble in fact the apostle Paul wrote in Philippians chapter 2 he says in your relationships with one another have the same mindset as Christ Jesus who being in very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage rather he made himself nothing he made himself nothing taking on the image of a servant he made himself nothing I was reminded this week that we have to sometimes move ourselves into a position of humility if we sit around all the time hearing how great we are, hearing about the great things that we've done, 
Hearing about all the, the victories we've experienced and all the people we've helped and all the, the amazing things we've been a part of. If we sit around and hear that all the time, we will never be humble. We have to intentionally and actively take steps to move ourselves into a position of humbleness, of humility, and get down on our knees and help people. Jesus did that very thing. He went to a wedding, and when they were at the wedding, they ran out of wine for the wedding, and so he went back in the room with the servants, and he turned the water into wine, and everybody benefited, but Jesus got no glory from it. He said, don't tell anyone. He took the position of a servant. The very last dinner that Jesus ever had with his disciples before going to the cross. The last time Jesus met with them before going to the cross and hanging there as a sacrifice. Jesus could have sat around and he could have said, Everybody, tell me what you think about me. But he did not. He got off his seat, he got on his knees. He took the position of the lowest servant of the household and he washed the feet of his students. He made himself nothing. He moved himself to be humble. If you come to Jesus and you're saying, Jesus, I just don't know what you want from my life. I don't know. Tell me what you want for my life, Jesus. And you're saying, I, I, don't, I don't think he talks to me. I want to suggest that you need to start following directions quickly. Because he says, love God with all your heart. Love God with all your soul. Love God with all your mind. Start with love. Treat everyone as a neighbor. Stay humble. If you follow directions quickly, then everything else works out. Everything else. And my guarantee to you is this. If you will begin to follow these six directions, these two commands, if you'll begin to follow them and follow them quickly, don't put them off, don't ignore them, follow them quickly, my guarantee is that your life will begin to feel more full of purpose, and power, and provision. And when you hear God say things like, go make disciples of all the nations, and you say, how can I go make disciples of all the nations? I'm not good enough. You look back and say, but I'm going to stay humble. And I'm going to start with love. I'm going to follow God with all my heart. My tribe is my neighbor. So it becomes natural to go make disciples of all nations. When you hear God say, okay, go forgive the person that hurts you, and you say, I can't forgive them. They hurt me so bad. You look back at these six directions, and you say, but if I'm going to love God with all my mind, I'm going to choose to fill my mind with, with truth instead of bitterness. And if I'm going to love God with all my soul, I'm going to, Make choices that allow me to move toward forgiveness. I must stay humble. So I'm going to be able to say to someone that's hurt me, I forgive you. 
If you begin to follow these six directions and you follow them quickly, you find out that everything else Jesus says makes sense. That's why Jesus said all the law, all the prophets, all the scripture hangs on this. If you want to live a life that makes sense in the middle of an unplanned, frayed, broken, messy world, it comes down to this. Obey God, no matter what, by following His directions quickly, even when it doesn't make sense. If you've never followed Jesus, I want to invite you today If you're in the room, I want to invite you to to meet me as soon as we're done in this room, and we'll talk about your next step in following Jesus. If you're online, I'd love for you to message, and we will communicate with you. We'll help you find a way to follow Jesus in your next steps. At this church, we do it through being baptized. We're lowered into water, forgiven of our sins of our past, and then we are raised out of the water, full of the Holy Spirit, a new creation, ready to follow God's directions quickly. If you've been following Jesus for any amount of time, then today your next step is very simple. It's very simple. Follow God's direction quickly. Let me pray for you. God, I ask that you would, I ask that you, Father, would reveal to us right now in this moment the depth of your directions for our life. I pray, Father, that we would be men and women, sons and daughters of you. And that, Father, we would listen and as obedient children, we would follow your direction quickly. And when we do, I pray that the world that is broken all around us would see us as an example of you healing and binding up Father, I pray that we would continue to become more a shining light of your grace and your goodness. Father, I pray this family would be known for following you and obeying you no matter what. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.